Hello and welcome to episode number 70 of the Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Chris Tripodi of DraftAnalyst.com, and I'm joined by Tony Pauline as we wrap up our NFC South Draft reviews with the Saints and the Buccaneers, two teams that have seen the past two seasons treat them quite differently with 24 wins for New Orleans and eight for Tampa. And the Saints are looking for a few extra pieces to throw them over the top. Didn't have a first rounder because of the uh, trade last year for Marcus Davenport. Tampa Bay is a team in transition. I mean, just as we're taping this, comes word that they released Gerald McCoy. So obviously it's out with the old and in with the new. And a team that does have some talent, but a team that needs some consistency. Now, New Orleans was without a first-round pick this year after last season's trade for edge rusher Marcus Davenport and a third-round pick after sending it to the Jets last summer for quarterback Teddy Bridgewater, who most expected to bolt in free agency, but he ended up staying with the Saints when no starting offers came his way. Obviously, losing those picks left them with only three picks in the first five rounds heading into the draft. They only wound up making two of those selections, though. We'll get to that in a moment. The first pick was Texas A&M center Eric McCoy at number 48 overall. And the second was Florida safety Chauncey Gardner-Johnson at 105. The Saints traded their fifth-round pick to the Jets in order to move up 11 spots from their 116th pick to take Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Now, both of these players were solid top 60 values on our board. McCoy fills an immediate need with the offseason retirement of center Max Unger. He's an excellent athlete with really good movement skills. He's also a smart center who can recognize blitzes, really quarterback the line, pick up stunts and twists. He just needs to add some strength and really solidify his anchor in his base, and he'll be ready to start in the middle. Gardner Johnson was excellent value here in the fourth round. He's under 5'11", but weighs 210 pounds, so he's thick and he's got good size in that sense. He can be used at both safety and corner. Personally, I'd say he was well worth losing a fifth rounder at that point in the draft. You ask me if I want Chauncey Gardner-Johnson or if I want a fourth-round pick and a fifth-round pick, I'm going to take Gardner-Johnson all day. Tony, what do you say? Man, I love McCoy. I can't tell you how much I like this kid. I I watched him, when I watched him play as a redshirt freshman, I had him graded right then and there as a second-day pick. I love his tenacity. I love his intelligence, his ability to block on the move, his fundamentals. Like you said, he's got to get a little bit stronger. But you know what? He really stood out the first day of a senior bowl practice and was solid the other two days. I think this is a guy that's going to be a longtime starter in the NFL. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, if you were with us before the draft, we were one of the few who were reporting that, you know, he had a lot of character issues that concerned teams. And if he started to fall down draft boards, that was the reason why. And that's exactly what happened. Now, on the field, Gardner-Johnson is a little bit small. But he's a complete safety. He's got outstanding ball skills. You can place him over the slot receiver without any issue. You could probably even line him up in cornerback on occasion if you need to. He's a tough, feisty guy who gives it up defending the run. He's got excellent range. It's just a matter of him cleaning up his act and focusing on football. And if he does that, I mean, this will be one of the steals of the draft. And I think that the Saints really could have a terrific nickelback, nickel safety, nickel corner for a long time to come. Now, the Saints had more picks in the final two rounds than they ended up with in the first five rounds. They grabbed Rutgers safety Saquon Hampton in round six, and then they added Notre Dame tight end Alizé Mack and Idaho edge rusher Caden Ellis in the seventh. Now, Hampton's a guy who had a big senior season, really kind of put him on the draft radar for the NFL. He combines good size with very good speed and explosiveness. If he can consistently play to that speed on the field, he has the ability to make an impact both against the run and in coverage but he's likely going to start his career on special teams. 
Mack is an athletic specimen at tight end. He was a highly touted recruit who never really lived up to expectations, but he landed in a nice spot with the Saints and could develop beyond just the flashes of skill that he shows on passes in the air. Ellis is a guy who wrecked two separate pro days, including one at Utah in addition to his school's pro day at Idaho. He had big production for the Vandals, not super stout against the run. He's only 235 pounds, but he can bend the edge and should probably be a nice situational rusher and special teamer at the next level. Tony, what do you think about the upside of these three picks for the Saints? Yeah, Saquon Hampton, I mean, he'll be a good pick if he continues to progress. Like you said, really shot out of nowhere in 2018, caught a lot of people by surprise. He's got excellent size, enough speed to play at the next level. He's a hard hitter. It's just a matter of him showing that 2018, you know, was the norm rather than the exception to the rule. Elias Mack came into this season graded as the number one tight end from the senior class, once again, failed to meet expectations. He's a guy who, in a nutshell, looks like Tarzan, plays like Jane, and it's a matter of, you know, basically transitioning that terrific physical skill that he has into consistent production on the field. At times, he looked like a world beater at Notre Dame, but he would also disappear for long stretches. Caden Ellis, Caden Ellis was one of the guys I mentioned the week before the draft as a small school defensive guy to keep an eye on. Like you said, he had uh, tremendous pro day numbers. Ran well at his pro day at Utah, had some incredible shuttle and three-cone times during the uh, Utah pro day. Ran well at his pro day at Idaho, I should say. Had some incredible shuttle times and three-cone times at the Utah pro day. Has bloodlines, a guy who I think you know would do very well standing over tackles, a situational player, and he absolutely comes with a special teams mentality, which is why I think the Saints took him in the last round. Now, the Saints signed a lot of UDFAs after the draft to kind of fill some roster space in camp after they had a limited amount of picks. Divino Zigbo was a surprising combine snub running back out of Nebraska. He's 230 pounds, but he's very quick, has enough speed to be effective at that size as well, even if it's not going to allow him to really turn the corner or bust big plays down the field. He's also a solid receiver, which he showed during Shrine Week. So this is an undrafted back with really the traits to be a number one runner at the NFL level. I'm not saying he gets to that point. But he is definitely has that kind of potential where, if needed, he can step in and be a three-down back. Carl Granderson took a step back in 2018, has some off-field issues in addition to that kind of regression from this past season. But he's long and athletic and could work out as a defensive end if he's able to take advantage of the growth potential in his frame. Chase Hanson is an interesting guy, a former safety who lacks typical linebacker size at 6'3", 222 pounds, kind of a tweener. He's thin, struggles to shed blocks, and does have an injury history. But for all those negatives, he's a good athlete and really could end up being a steal at this point in the draft. He does have some solid potential as a weak side linebacker in the NFL. Tony, what did you think of the work the Saints did post-draft? Yeah, I think Azigbo is an outstanding compliment to Alvin Kamara. I mean, he's got terrific running skills where Kamara's more of a pass catcher. So I know they got Latavius Murray there, but still, this was a terrific free agent signing. We had him great as a fifth-round selection. They had a couple of interesting signings at receiver. Deontay Harris of Assumption is a guy who could legitimately make it as a fifth receiver. Little Jordan Humphrey is a guy who was a terrific receiver at Texas, but was slow. I mean, sundial slow. I don't know if he's going to remain as a possession receiver or whether you've got to put 20 pounds on him and change him to a move tight end, but he can catch the football. Emmanuel Butler is an interesting story. I mean, coming into the 2017 season, Emmanuel Butler was graded as a six-round choice, but he hurt his shoulder and ended up on the sidelines with a shoulder issue. He's a big, tall, possession-type guy with consistent hands, someone who I think could surprise at the next level. Also, keep an eye on Kenny Bigelow, who... 
you know, was up and down when he was at USC, had a real good season last year for West Virginia, and someone who wouldn't surprise me if he makes it as an inexpensive backup. They also signed Porter Justin, who probably would have been a last-round pick. I believe he's failed the PEDS test. Uh, if I'm wrong about that, I apologize, but off the top of my head, I believe he failed the PEDS test at the Combine. A guy who I think can play outside linebacker. You can use him as a situational defensive end. Does a little bit of everything well, but just needs more consistency in his game. Now, the Saints obviously had very limited ammo in this year's draft, but still managed to come away with two second-round prospects and a bunch of upside on the third day, in addition to some in free agency as well. Good work if you can get it, right, Tony? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with McCoy, you're looking at a guy that's a 10-year starter, no doubt in my mind. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, it's up to him. I mean, if he wants to focus on football, he's another guy that's going to be a long-time starter. Like you said, a lot of upside with Hampton, a lot of upside with Mack, terrific upside with Caden Ellis, and Caden Ellis could actually be the safest of all the picks and a guy that I think will contribute immediately on the special teams. Now, Tampa will be our next destination here, but before we head south, please support the draft analysts by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any of the big podcast platforms. You can also find us at Believe.com. Leave us a rating and a review. And if you have any questions you want answered on the show, tweet us at Chris Tripodi, at Tony Pauline, at Draft Analyst One, and at Believe Podcast to get in touch. Now, defense ruled this year's draft in Tampa, much like we thought it would in Atlanta in our last episode. The offense's big addition this year for the Buccaneers appears to have been new head coach Bruce Arians. Quan Alexander left in free agency, linebacker headed to San Francisco, and the Bucs immediately filled that hole with LSU linebacker Devin White. Now, White's a guy who's going to bring a ton of speed to the middle of that defense. He's a better overall player than Alexander was, and Alexander was very productive in that defense. So not only did they replace the veteran who ended up with a big contract, they upgraded on him with a cheaper version of him over the next four or five seasons. White's instincts are generally pretty good. He's always around the ball. Sometimes he will over-pursue plays here and there and get caught out of position. But if he can clean that up, he's going to be an absolute anchor on three downs in Tampa, even if his lack of height might hurt him one-on-one at times against tight ends and coverage. I like him as a more complete linebacker than Roquan Smith, who went so early last year. I think he's better in coverage. He gets it between the ears. He's tough, but he's also instinctive. You know, He plays with great intensity, but he also shows some discipline. Obviously, the height is an issue, may cause some mismatches in coverage. But like you said, a replacement for Quan Alexander and a better player. And as we said, time and time again, he's what the NFL is looking for in linebackers these days. They're willing to take guys that are a little bit undersized, but can get from point A to point B quickly and make the play. That's exactly what Devin White does. Now, sticking with the theme here for Tampa, the Bucks' second day was concentrated solely on the secondary. They drafted Central Michigan cornerback Sean Bunting in round two and grabbed Auburn cornerback Jamel Dean and Kentucky safety Mike Edwards in the third round. Now, Bunting is a big corner with excellent athleticism, also shows good ball skills. He is a bit raw, however, but he does have the traits that you want to see in a good, solid starting cornerback. Dean might be even more physically impressive than Bunting. He's bigger, he's faster, he's more explosive. He's just not quite as good at football, at least not yet. Dean only started one year at Auburn, spent most of that time in the slot, Taking him in round three was probably a bit early, but he does have a lot of upside. Mike Edwards, on the other hand, may not have that same level of upside as Bunting or even Dean, but he's an experienced safety with the ability to line up in the slot. He can play both the run and the pass. And it was a really nice value pick here at the end of the third round, even though it wasn't received positively in terms of a unanimous pick. Not everybody was sitting here praising it, but we are. 
in the lead up to the draft, I was consistently writing and, and saying in these podcasts that Sean Bunting was one of the fastest rising cornerbacks. It turned out to be true. I, was, I mentioned both him and Rocky Hassan, and Rocky Hassan went where? Number 34 in the draft, and Bunting goes number 39. He's a guy that just needs a little more experience, but he's got terrific size speed numbers. He's a physical cornerback. He's a guy who needs to polish his ball skills, but I can absolutely see him you know, getting a lot of playing time as a rookie and developing into a starter. I basically agree with you on Jamal Dean. Great athlete, average football player, big injury history. I thought the third round was probably at least a frame, if not two frames, too early. Mike Edwards, listen, I've espoused my love for Mike Edwards throughout the 2018 season and lead up to the draft. I think he's one of the most complete defensive backs in this year's draft. He's a safety who can play against the pass. He's got outstanding ball skills. He shows some toughness against the run. I just don't understand why he was not graded higher by people. I think this was an outstanding selection. He's going to do well in the uh, Buccaneers system with Todd Bowles there. And somebody needs to tell uh, NFL.com that Mike Edwards is a safety from Kentucky rather than a cornerback from Hawaii as they have him listed. I saw that too. And there is a Mike Edwards cornerback from Hawaii, but he's nowhere near the player that the Kentucky safety Mike Edwards is. We'll move on to the third day here for the Bucks. They did add Iowa defensive end Anthony Nelson in round four. They grabbed Utah kicker Matt Gay in round five, Bowling Green wide receiver Scott Miller in round six, and they rounded out their draft with Missouri defensive tackle Terry Beckner in the seventh round. Now, Nelson is a guy who tested better than expected in Indy. When you watch the film, you don't necessarily think he's going to be an above-average athlete, but he tested out as just that. He did disappoint at the senior bowl, though, and at 6'7", 271 pounds, he's going to end up as a defensive end in Tampa's 4-3 scheme, but his strength is against the run. Uh, although Tampa might see some pass rush upside in his testing. So it's an interesting fit. Gay is a strong-legged kicker. It appears Tampa has learned its lesson somewhat, at least, from Roberto Aguayo and decided to only draft kickers after the fourth round instead of making day two investments in them. Scott Miller appears to be a nice fit in Bruce Arians' vertical offense. He's a game-breaker. He's only 5'9", 175 pounds, but he does have good quickness and could end up seeing some playing time as a rookie, maybe pushing Chris Godwin from the slot to the outside if Tampa ends up preferring Miller over 2018 fifth-rounder Justin Watson. Beckner's a guy who fits nicely as a three-technique in Tampa. Bulk and overall strength are issues for him on film. He's more of an explosive first-step lineman, but his athletic testing was pretty poor. Actually did well on the bench even though he lacks strength on the field, but his short arms may have helped them a bit there. What do you think overall of the Bucks on day three, Tony? Yeah, Anthony Nelson was a strange one. I think he's great value in the fourth round. I just thought he's going to be better in a three-man front. Uh, or if you're going to put him in a four-man front, he's probably better at tackle because he's not really that good on the edge. I mean, there'll be room there in Tampa. Jason Pierre-Paul's 30-plus years old. William Golston has never really lived up to expectation. They brought in Carl Nassib from Cleveland. Noah Spence was still waiting on him. I like the player. I'm just surprised. Just don't like the fit. Matt Gay's a terrific kicker. I mean, he was a terrific bad weather kicker at Utah. He can boot him from long distance with consistency. He's got a big time leg. I really like this guy. Scott Miller got a lot of traction right before the draft. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's got abilities as a slot receiver, return specialist. He's the type of guy who picks up a lot of yards running after the catch. He's very dependable with his hands. And if he's given open space, he's very dangerous. Terry Beckner, Beckner's a guy who I I'd agree with you. He's a three-technique tackle. He's a guy who I watched as a sophomore. I expected big things during his junior year. Never got him. Watched him as a junior. Expected big things during his senior year. Never got him. He's got the uh, upside. He's got the ability. It's just a matter of him basically 
getting to that upper level where scouts feel he can play at. And that's why, instead of being a third or fourth round pick, Terry Beckner's a seventh round selection. Now, a pair of receivers highlight over a dozen undrafted free agents that signed with the Bucks. Buffalo's Anthony Johnson is a bigger receiver, has some separation issues. We've seen these guys fall out of the draft the last couple of years. Those separation issues did loom large for him at the Senior Bowl, where he mostly struggled against higher-level competition. But he produced very well as Tyree Jackson's top target for the Bulls and has shown the ability to win in contested situations. DeMarcus Lodge is a player that many hyped leading up to the draft, but he fell completely out of the seven rounds. He's got good size, but he's a below-average athlete, struggled with consistency at Old Miss, really needs to pull that all together if he's going to hit his NFL ceiling. Any other UDFAs of note for you here, Tony? A couple of them. I mean, keep an eye on two defensive linemen, Kaz and Daniels, uh, who was teammate to John Comiskey at Charleston and West Virginia and actually outperformed Comiskey, had better stats. He's an explosive pass rusher. He's fast off the edge. He can bend off the edge. He plays with great speed, quickness, and explosion. was a story before the draft because he was legally blind in one eye, and a lot of people didn't know it. But he gets the most out of his ability. I think he's got an outside shot to make an active roster. I know I'm going to butcher this guy's name, but the kid from Vanderbilt, Dare Ode Ingbo from Vandy. I mean, you want to talk about natural three technique tackles. This guy is it. He doesn't have great size, but he's quick. He's explosive. He has a terrific change of direction, makes plays up the field or down the sideline. Again, you know, there, there may be, especially now that they got rid of Gerald McCord, there may be some space for a guy like Dare, you know, to make the depth chart. Interesting, Lucas Dennis, the safety from Boston College, a guy who can play safety. He can play dime. He can also be a good special teamer for you. So uh, I thought that was another solid UDFA signing by the Tampa Bay Bucs. You mentioned Anthony Johnson. I mean, you're right about that. Anthony Johnson, let me get, you know, terrific, consistent pass catcher, just can't run. You look at their depth at receiver. I I think there's going to be some chance there for either Scott Miller, the draft pick, or one of the two undrafted free agent signings, Demarcus Lodge or Anthony Johnson, to make the roster. The Bucks made it a point to address their defense in this draft. We discussed it earlier, especially on the back end with the secondary. They were really able to address the defense at all levels and improve that side of the ball, both immediately and long term. Tony, how would you overall grade what Tampa did? Like what they did a lot early on with Devin White and Sean Bunting. I think they got two potential starters there with some impact. I like what they did with Mike Edwards as well. I thought they did a solid job on the last day. I think Jamal Dean was taken a little bit early. I think Anthony Elson was good value, but I know where does he fit? Maybe they're going to push him inside the defensive tackle. Except for Jamal Dean, I really like the selection of players. Want to see what they're going to do with Anthony Nelson, though. And that's all for the 70th episode of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms. Leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us questions on Twitter that we'd be happy to answer on the show. We'll be back next week with our final two divisions, the AFC West and the NFC West. But until then, be sure to visit draftanalyst.com for all the latest info on the players your favorite team drafted and signed. And listen to our recaps for six of the NFL's eight divisions so far. For Tony Pauline, this is Chris Tripodi, signing off.